All right, take your Bible, if you would, this morning, and find, if you would, the ninth chapter of the Gospel of John. John chapter 9 will be our text this morning. I beg you, in your house today, in your car today, or on your back porch today, and of course you better have a roof on that back porch or you're in trouble, uh, wherever you are, that you will have a scripture available to you so that you can see the Word of God. We're continuing in our series this morning in the Gospel of John. We've made it through eight chapters, and this morning we come into the ninth chapter. The ninth chapter is a lengthy chapter. It's not as long as the other two, with 41 verses in it, but it is a wonderful and a powerful chapter, and a chapter that I would like to divide in three ways, and I'll give you my outline right at the beginning so that you can write this down. Please, if you would, Roman numeral one would be the hand of God. Write down, if you would, chapter nine, verses one to seven. Roman numeral two, or point number two, would be the hearts of men. That will take you from the eighth verse to the 34th verse. And then the third point would be the humility of a man, the hand of God, the hearts of men, and the humility of a man. And that will take you from verse 35 to the end of the chapter. I find my title for this morning located within the 30th verse. And just for um, Setting, let me read verse 29 and then read verse number 30 and so on. We jump right into the chapter and John is pinning the words of a man that has had a marvelous thing done to him by the Lord Jesus. And so if you'll look at verse number 29, we know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow, we know not. From whence he is. The man answered and said unto them. You might want to underline this. Why herein is a marvelous thing. I love that phrase. I have it underlined in my Bible. It brings me the message title. Why herein is a marvelous thing. That ye know not from whence he is. And yet, he hath opened mine eyes. What a statement. John chapter 9 is well known for the beginning of the chapter in verse number 1. The Bible says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Physical blindness. What a tremendous difficulty What a tremendous problem that folks deal with that have physical blindness. It's one thing to lose your sight after being able to see physically through an accident or through a disease. It's another thing to be born blind physically. To never see your father, to never see your mother. To have no idea what the sunset looks like or the sun looks like or the stars look like. 
to have no idea even what light looks like. So all that you have would be your imagination as people describe things that you have never seen before. Through some ability in your hands and your mind, you might be able to touch and to see. But so limited in your ability to enjoy vision. You know, a lot of pleasure comes to humanity through vision. Of course, what God has meant for good, the the devil can twist there. We know a lot of evil comes through the vision of a man and of women. But what a joy it is to see the creation of God and to worship Him as the great Creator. What a joy it is to see the beauty and the colors and and, and the majesty that God has created throughout the world. To be able to see our loved ones. To know the face of your mother, to know the face of your father, to know the face of your children. None of this was available to this blind man. And yet, in his difficulty and in his handicap, and even, and I'll use this word, and you have to let me help it here, in his supposed sinfulness, this man mattered to Jesus Christ. I love that because I find in the scripture that every man and every woman that's ever been born matters to the Lord Jesus. Sometimes people think that because they have a handicap or a difficulty or they in some way look different than other people who have experienced things than other people have, some way they're not worthy or measure up to God being interested in them. I don't know where you're watching me from today, but I would say this to you. God could no more prove his individual love for you than by doing two things. A, creating you, and B, dying for you. Never, never allow anybody to tell you God doesn't love you. You can imagine what days were like to this blind man. You can imagine how not being able to see how long days will be. You you might be getting a little bit of experience of this. I don't know about your house, but at my house yesterday, I think it was dark at 5.30. And with time change now, it seems like the nights are so long. I'm ready to be put my jammers on and be tucked in at 6.15. I mean, I can hardly keep my eyes open, right? And the nights are kind of long as the darkness invades. And yet there was a day that this man was never about to forget. Pick up, if you would, please, in verse number 2. And his disciples asked him, this would be Jesus, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I, Jesus, must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground. And he made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, 
Go wash in the pool of Siloam. If you've been to Israel with me, you've been to the pool of Siloam. Which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. I have um, acknowledged this section of our lesson today. Entitled point number one is the hand of God. Jesus has a marvelous opportunity here to do a marvelous thing. At the end of chapter number 8, Jesus has faced a stoning. When you look at verse number 59, the last words of verse number 59 of chapter number 8 is, And so passed by. He passed through those folks. Those folks missed out on what Jesus could do for them. And when you come into verse number 1, it picks right up of chapter number 9 and said, And as Jesus passed by. There was a man there that was born blind. His disciples wanted to know an age-old question. They wanted to know why the man was born blind. Something you need to understand about the Jewish belief at this moment in time, especially when it comes to the question of who did sin. Jews believed back then, as the Bible teaches today, that life begins at conception. We believe that. We believe from the Bible that life begins at conception. And therefore, we protect that life. I just want you to understand as we live in a day, in an age now, where our nation has chosen a leader, and we know the party of that leader is for pro-choice. I want you to understand, church family, that our position is not one of choice. Our position is one of life. And they believed in the Bible time by Jeremiah and through the psalmist and through others that life begins at conception and that life begins not because two people become in, come intimate and not because a, a process there the way God designed it. Life begins because deep within the womb of a woman, God creates life. All life is Created by God. Okay. In believing that life began in the womb, they had a false belief. And the false belief was that while you were in the womb, you could actively sin. And, and the reason that they believed that while you were in the womb is that you could actively sin is how that they falsely explained handicaps, suffering. So if you were born blind in the mentality back in where Jesus is, you were born blind as a consequence to your sin. So the disciples are looking at this man and they're, they're understanding the world's uh, thought process back then and they want to know, Jesus, this man was born blind and that because he wasn't born perfect is the evidence that he must be, a, that sin is involved here. So, so who's guilty? Was, was he guilty in the womb? 
Or were his parents guilty of some sin and, and God is judging them? Now, I want you to understand, we, under, we know that the Bible teaches that we are all born sinners, right? We're born with a sinful nature. But God does not hold a little baby in the responsibility of his choice of sin. That's evidenced by if a child dies before the age of accountability, they're ushered into the arms of Jesus. We believe that. Jesus gives a marvelous answer to this question. He says in verse number 3, Neither, neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, watch this, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. So God knew that this man would be born. God allowed this man to be born blind. And God allowed this man to be born blind for a purpose. And that that purpose is that God would be able to do works in him for the glory of the Lord. I find that we need this teaching here many times. That God allows things in our lives. Maybe not physical blindness, but other difficulties, other things that are painful, other tragedies, other other difficulties, other dis- discouragements, uh, uh, other things that are hurtful, that are attackful. Sometimes God allows things into our life. Um, and the reason that he allows these things is not necessarily negative, but positive. Because God wants to do a work in your life. And so God allowed this man to be born blind so that God could do this work and so that God could get glory in and through his life. The number one thing that ought to matter to a believer is that God is glorified in our life. And sometimes in our lives, God lets us experience things that we think have to be evil. We think this has to be not of God, and yet it is of God. This can't be right, and yet it is right. One thing for a believer is that we know that uh, for us, that all things work together for good. And so God allowed this man to be born blind so that God could do a work in him and the glory of God could be manifest in and through him. And Jesus says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I want you to understand this, believer, as well. That Jesus wants to do a work in your life while it is day. Does that mean he doesn't work at night? No, what he's talking about is in the day, in the last days. He's talking about in these gospel days. And so sometimes when you can't explain what's going on in your life, and it hurts more than you could ever imagine, that's God's got you at a moment when he wants to do something marvelous in your life. And so that others will see what he's doing in your life. And God will be glorified. Don't give the devil God's glory. Number two. The hearts of men are exposed here. The men being the spiritual Pharisees. Verse number eight in the narrative reads, and it's a powerful narrative. The neighbors therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said... Is not this he that sat and begged? 
Some said, this is he. Others said, "Mm, he's like him. But he said, this is the blind man, it's me, you idiots. Now, he didn't say idiot. I added that. Therefore, they said unto him, how are your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus. He made clay. He anointed my eyes. He said unto me to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I went. I washed and I received sight. Hallelujah. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I don't know. Verse 13. The devil gets involved in what God is doing. The emotion gets kicked up. And the intensity comes. They brought to the Pharisees. Him that aforetime was blind. Why would they do this? Because the they have a trap and an agenda. Look at verse 14. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened up his eyes. Now remember, the Pharisees protected that Sabbath day. And they wanted to use that Sabbath day as a way to accuse Jesus. If he did anything on the Sabbath day, they thought it broke Uh, God's law it didn't break God's law it broke their law and their law was not God's law and so anytime Jesus did anything on the Sabbath we've already approached this in the book of John they're quick to accuse him so so never let a good crisis go to waste right we've heard that in our terminology they they never want to let this moment go to waste and so they they brought this blind man to the Pharisees who were the religious group of that day and they want to use what God has done now, not for God's glory, but to twist it and attack the Lord Jesus. And the, and the rationale and the reasoning here and how they navigate in this just exposes the hearts of men when it comes to Jesus. Pick up, if you would, please, at verse number 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him, this is the blind man that can see, how he had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and I do see. Second time the blind man's given his testimony. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man, not speaking of the blind man, in your Bible, you should underline the words, this man, they're speaking of Jesus. This man is not of God. Oh, this is what they wanted to deter. This is what they wanted to keep. This is the accusation they wanted to be made. Why is he not of God? Because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. I got news for you. Not only did he respect the day, he is our Sabbath. Others said, wait a minute. How can a man that is a sinner do Such a miracle. And the Bible says, and there was a division among them. All right, so now hearts are starting to be exposed. The Pharisees, the religious group, they hated Jesus. They wanted him to get no glory. So they often accused him as being a devil, a Samaritan, so on and so forth. Here the accusation is, this man is not of God, right? Why? Why? Because he didn't keep the Sabbath. 
And yet there are some thinking people there that are looking at this and saying, but if he is a sinner, how could he do such a miracle with God's power? By the way, thought is needed to be saved. If most people would just stop and think about the Bible, most people would stop and think about themselves, and most people would stop and think about God, the only answer or solution you can come to is that man is a sinner, Jesus is the Savior, and I need him for my sin. And so there's a division now among them in their mind. Follow the narrative to see where you fall, right? Verse 17, they say unto the blind man, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened thine eyes? The blind man said, he said he was a prophet, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. So so now, understand what's happening here. They're not able to wrestle away from this man the, the, the grace of God. They're not able to wrestle away from this man the testimony of Jesus. They cannot wrestle away from this man what Jesus has done in his life. Therefore, their other accusation is turned to him and said, you were never born blind. Some people just won't humble themselves to God. That he had been blind and received his sight, verse 18, until they called the parents of him... That had received his sight. Bring his mom and dad in here. They're not much help in this story. Verse 19. And they asked them saying. Is this your son? Who you say was born blind? How in the world does he see? His parents answered him and said. We know this is our son. We know he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. We know this is not an honest response out of the next verse. Verse 22. These words spake his parents Because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Let me stop here just a moment. You have no place to go today. It's raining like cats and dogs. So give me a moment. Not very much different as our world today. There are some religious groups and there are some churches that have put a dogma on people that if you believe different, you're going to be cast out of the congregation, cast out of the church. No longer would you be part of Of this religious group. I need you to understand. Religion is not God's salvation. Jesus is God's salvation. Never fear what man can do to you. Fear what God can do to you. 
Well, Pastor, I, I, sometimes the Jews don't want to come to Christ because they don't, they don't, they don't want to be cast out of the temple. Sometimes other, other denominations don't want to come to Christ because they don't want to face church discipline or excommunication or these type of things. It doesn't matter what a man or a church can do to you. You want to matter what God can do to you. And it doesn't matter what the church says. It matters what God says. And God says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto him but through the Lord Jesus. And so these parents, they don't want to be put out of the synagogue. That wasn't purely for religious belief. That was also for financial, economical, social belief. I find all types of reasons people give not to receive the Lord. And so think about this. Mom and dad care more about their standing than the soul of their son. Ask him. He'll tell you, what a shame. Verse 24, Then again called they the man that was blind and said unto him, Give God the praise. What a lie. We know that this man, speaking of Jesus, is a sinner. I got news for you. He's anything but a sinner. He's the sinless son of God. Think about the audacity here. Think about the heart here. Think about the denial here. Soul hatred of Jesus that they, 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 they refer to him as sinful. Verse 25, the blind man answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not, which is an honest statement at that time. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. Boy, there is no argument for a changed life. There is no argument for a transformed life. The the debate is over when you look at a blind man that can see, a drunk that's been made sober, a pervert that knows righteousness, a thief that now works hard, a liar that tells the truth. When a deceiver is now one that leads in righteousness, when a blasphemer preaches the gospel. Let me tell you something. You cannot argue the change of salvation God does in the heart of humanity. It exalts the Lord Jesus. Then said they to him again, What did he do to thee third time? How opened he thine eyes? I like the blind man here because he gets aggravated. I get aggravated sometimes. He answered them, I've told you already. You do not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Now, he strikes hard here. Will you also be his disciple? Oh, boy. Look at this challenge in verse 28. Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple. We're Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, speaking of Jesus, we know not from whence he is. That's interesting. Just let me show you the pride of the human heart. Just flip back one page in your Bible and go, maybe two pages, go to chapter number seven and look, if you would please, verse number 28. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and you know whence I am. I'm not come of myself, 
but he that sent me is true. When you come back to chapter number 9, they were trying to discover or disguise, disguise their unbelief. And the way that they would do it was say things like, we're not sure he really is who he says he is. We're not sure we really know where this man came from. They were absolutely sure. They just didn't want to humble themselves. I find this with people. They know you're a sinner. You know God came in Jesus. You know he died for you. You know that he resurrected. You know that you need to be cleansed. And instead of humbling yourself, you find excuse after excuse after excuse. But the reality is, you do know. The man says in verse number 30, Why? Herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he has opened up mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, he heareth him. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were of God, he were not of God, he could do nothing. True statement. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they did what class? They cast him out, right? So here you have the hearts of men exposed. You have a man who has physically born blind, who has given physical sight. Jesus did this. Instead of honoring the Lord Jesus with that, they want to accuse him as being a sinner. They would do anything not to submit to the authority of the Lord. Let me show you how it plays out in my final point. The humility of a man. They cast him out of the synagogue, which back in that day was a tremendous, tremendous angst against somebody. I love verse number 35 because it, hurt, it, it, it just lets me know that the Lord knows about my life. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, which means he sought for him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord? that I might believe on him. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The humility of this man is unbelievable in this moment. He did not know that Jesus was the Son of God. He just knew that Jesus was a good prophet. I find that Jesus does this sometimes in your life. He works goodness in your life. He allows you to have a job. He allows you to have success. He allows you to know health. He allows you to know safety. He allows you to know certain things. You may not know him as the Son of God in that moment, but he's working. Sometimes people say to me, you know, I just believe that God has protected me throughout my life or God has been with me throughout my life. Wonderful, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. That just means that God is good. But when you meet Jesus face to face, 
and he acknowledges who he is and you reckon that into who, who you are, then there must be the belief by faith that he is the son of God. You look back over your life and you believe that God is good. You believe that God has arranged and organized and God has brought you to this moment where now you see yourself a sinner and you see the Lord as the Savior. And in that moment, you must believe for yourself. And the man said, I believe, Lord. Salvation is that simple. It's belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it takes the humility, the humility of heart. The Pharisees, they had hearts filled with pride as evidenced by the end of the chapter. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 39. Jesus said, after the man has believed upon him, for judgment, I am coming to this world. Now, don't be distracted by that. That does not mean that Jesus came into the world to judge. Jesus did not come into the world to judge. He came into the world to save. Listen very carefully to pastor. It's a long camera viewpoint, but look me in my face. But he did come into the world to force you to judge. Not only did he come into the world to force you to judge, he came into the world, into your world, to force you to judge. Jesus is not saying, I came in here to judge you. He's saying, for this, judge, for judgment, I am come into the world. Which means, once you see me, once you hear me, once you know me, you got to make it to judgment. Am I the son of God or am I not? I wish you were here so I could say, everyone that believes he's the son of God, would you say amen? Nobody can escape that choice. Keep reading. For judgment I am coming to the world that they which see not might see And that they which see might be made blind. Now Jesus is wrapping up this moment. And he's used the physical blindness and physical sight to demonstrate his powers to who he is. But behind every miracle in the book of John comes an exhortation here and and a teaching. And so Jesus now takes it from the physical realm into the spiritual realm. And he says to these guys, listen, I came into this world for you to make a judgment. Are you blind or do you see? Verse 40. Some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, are we blind also? Now this is not an honest question. This is a statement that denies They're blind. Very easy. This is the conclusion. Don't miss it. They attributed physical blindness to sin. Therefore, because they did not suffer a handicap in their teaching of physical blindness, then they did not know sin. 
To be blind was to not be able to worship. To be blind was to be separated. To be blind was God was angry at you. Somehow God was punishing you. Somehow you were not righteous. Therefore, in their self-righteousness, they would never want to be blind. Jesus comes in and says, you got to make a choice and a judgment about me. I came that they which see not might see. Uh, Come into the world that they which see not might see and they which see might be made blind. Now they're thinking physical. I don't want to be made blind, but he's talking spiritual. They get that little bit of a point when they say, now are we blind also? The last verse. Jesus said unto them, if ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, we see. Therefore, your sin remaineth. Pastor, help me with that. Wonderful. You have a physical blind man that allowed the Lord Jesus to do a marvelous thing in his life. And God got glory. Jesus says, spiritually, those that are blind will allow God to make them see. But there's no reason if you think you already see for God to do anything. Are we blind? If you were blind, you would have no sin. But you say you can see, so your sin remaineth. What Jesus was telling them is, you think you see righteous. You think you're righteous because of Abraham. You think you're righteous because of Moses. You think you're righteous because of your outward being. You, you deny the very fact that you have sin. You're blind to the fact that you have sin. Therefore, your sin remaineth with you. If you were blind, which was the evidence that you're not righteous in yourself, that you cannot see that which is righteous, that you need the Lord Jesus for your salvation, in your blindness, therefore, you would have no sin. Just like the physically blind man came to have sight, spiritual blind people that are in our sin, we come to find healing in the blood of Jesus. Here's where we can say amen. But if you do not acknowledge your blindness then you're still in your sin. And Jesus had said earlier, if you die in your sin, you'll die and experience the second death. The hand of God did a wonderful, marvelous work in his life. The hearts of men are exposed in the dialogue as to whether they or not are they going to see Jesus for who he is. The humility of a man is so contrasted with the pride of, of some people that refuse to acknowledge that they are a sinner who needs to be saved. For judgment came I into the world. 
that those that see might be made blind and those that are blind might be able to see. Have you chosen to receive and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God, the sermon is over, but the service is not over. The Holy Spirit of God is working in our lives. So every believer, God, that's out there listening to me, I want to remind them that sometimes you allow things into our lives because you want to do a work. We may not see it as something that you would ever do or could ever use. But you do. And you want to do this work while it is yet day, which means you want to show yourself as the Savior through this work. You want to do this work in our lives so that others could see and glorify our God. So that others can see their need for the Lord. So many times because we don't understand the, what you want to do and it's painful and hurtful. We, we run from this. We don't, we don't humble ourselves. The blind man said God did a marvelous thing in my life. And that's the type of things that you do. Marvelous. Lord, there might be somebody listening to me today preaching. It's time for them to judge. Not judge me or judge themselves. But just to judge about Jesus. Is he the son of God or is he not? Do I want him as my savior or do I not? Many folks think they're okay. They think they have spiritual sight when in actuality they're not because we're born a sinner and they never come to Jesus for the cleansing of the blood over their sin. Therefore, their sin remaineth. But many folks have become blind in essence to where we see our need that we cannot inherit the kingdom of God apart from Jesus, that we cannot wash away our own sin, that we cannot bring peace with God in ourselves. There's not a work that we can do. There's not a church we can join. We must come like the blind man and come to Jesus and believe upon him. And then he'll take our sin away through the covering of his blood And no longer am I wrapped in that. I'm wrapped in the righteousness of Christ. Just a pause in my prayer, church family. Christian, maybe today while you're wherever you are, you're submitting to what God is doing in your life. And you're just going to say, God, for your glory, I'm going to trust you. Work it out. Work it out. Maybe you're hearing, listening to me and You've never come to faith in Christ. You would want to bow your head. 
then you would want to just simply pray and tell God, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that. I'm judging today that Jesus is the Savior. The best I know how, I'm opening my heart to him. I believe upon him. I believe he died, he was buried, and he resurrected. And I want him to cleanse me with his blood. I want you, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be my Savior. I give myself to you today. Others may deny him, just like these prideful hearts of men. But you know who he is, and you're believing upon him today. Father, finish this now in our hearts and our minds. Receive those today that are calling on you for salvation, Lord Jesus. May they know the peace with God and the assurance of that. As God's people are surrendering themselves to your work, may they see it as a marvelous thing that you're doing. In Jesus' name we make our prayer now. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching. I trust that you will share the service in some aspect so that it goes out. I trust that you've checked in. Let me know that you're watching after the service, after I go make my video and maybe eat a little bit of lunch. I'll see who was out there watching and where you were and say hello to you, all of those things. If you receive the Lord today as your Savior, would you text us, let us know, reach out in some way. You'll find that information available on the website. Christian, I trust that you're encouraged in the Lord today, and let's go forward serving him. We're on the winning side. I chose a little chorus to let us go finish the service. It's called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of this life will go strangely dim in the power of his glory and his grace. Lift your voice. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. Be safe, everyone, and God bless you all.